Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in the beautiful, wonderful land of crowdfunding? You know that beautiful place where you put your project or idea up on the internet and hundreds of thousands of dollars just magically roll in. Well, that's what we're doing. So if this is your first time here, let me introduce myself. I am Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. I am the CEO of Woodshed Agency. And what we do is we run crowdfunding campaigns, whether that's reward-based or equity-based, we also help with um, e-commerce. So if you get, if you got a Shopify store or if you want to do lead generation for your B2B, we do all that stuff. But this podcast, Successfully Funded, is all about talking to project creators either while they're in the middle of an active campaign or their campaign has just finished up and they were successfully funded. That's the whole point of this because what we want to do is we want to make sure that we arm you with the most up-to-date information on how you can be successful, right? You know, so you've got your idea, You've been working in your garage. You've got your patent, you know, your your patent applications all filled out. You're ready to take the world by storm. Well, how are you going to get that funding? And that's what this podcast is all about. So on today's episode, man, I had an unbelievable conversation. Uh, I got to talk to Matt McDonald. Uh, he's from the uh, band, The Classic Crime, and they are running a Kickstarter for their seventh full-length studio album. And let me just check in the numbers here real quick. Yeah, Um uh, they got eight days to go. They had a $30,000 goal. They're sitting at just under 80K with over 1,268 backers. And these guys, you know, Matt here that, that we got, I, I got a chance to talk to, he runs Kickstarters every year for his band. Every album is, is Kickstarted. And this was a great conversation because it got me to sort of reminisce a little bit and go back to the old GBS days of, of you know, running crowdfunding for musicians. And again, the things that were working back in 2010, 2011, Matt saying, yeah, it's the same thing. So if you go back and you listen to the icon for hire and you listen to this episode, you know, these tried true methods that we were doing back in the GBS days, they're still working, man. So it was great to talk to a, a fellow musician. We got to get in the weeds, we got to talk about my equipment. If you watch the YouTube broadcast, you get to see me pull out some of my gear, right? My, my interfaces, uh, him and I are using similar, similar universal audio stuff. Shout out to them for making good products. Um, but yeah, man, this conversation, it was awesome. It, I, I, it was actually like kind of talking to myself a little bit. Um, yeah, Matt and I have a healthy amount in common. So like I said, t- stay tuned for a little bit. Uh, after you get through my, uh, you know, my intro rants, we'll get to the meat of this episode. You're going to love it. So uh, that conversation is coming up in just a little bit. So what else is going on? This intro, I'm going to preface it right now. I'm going to bitch a lot. It's Thursday. It's at two o'clock. On, um, um, I've had a number of inter- interactions today that I'm just kind of over with today, right? So let me set the stage here. So one, some of you might know we have just bought a house and we are fixing up. We're doing floors and painting. And my sister had a jackhammer at my house in the basement because we got a leaking pipe. And he, she's cutting literally just, you know, it's like that Seinfeld episode, the holy cow. Um, so, you know, we, we're just doing a lot of work, right? And we rented a, um, well, first we rented a big sander. I don't even know what they're called, like that with the wheels and, you know, the big sander for the floors. And, um, you know, we took that one back. Everything was great. 
and I had to get an edger sander, like a little bit, you know, like a bigger edger sander. We used that last night, cleaned it all up, took it back. Now you, you got to return these things. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, I got this at Home Depot. This is where I rented it from. And I had to get it back by like 10 o'clock this morning. Otherwise, you know, you get 24 hours with it. So I had to get it back right away. So um, I'm, I drive it over there. And you, when you turn these tools in, you got to clean them up, right? You have, totally makes sense. So, you know, last night I air compressed it. I took a rag, wiped it all down, emptied the bag, right? But it's a bag for sanding. So there's already stuff in it. It's got little felt in the inside of it. So like, there's just dust in it, right? No big deal. So, yeah, so I, I roll in. I I, uh, I put the thing on and the 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 cord unravels, right? So I had because I carried this thing through the through the parking lot, put it up on the thing, cord unravels, falls down, and I get in there. And this lady, not wearing a mask, right? She works there. She's got the mask. She's she's got it down under her chin. Totally the best place. Starts talking to me, and I'm just like, come, come on, you know. And she's like you know, I have to charge you 50 bucks because the cord came unraveled. And I'm like, well, just wrap it back up, right? So I got, I'm not going to lie, I got pretty pissy right there. I was like, "Um, it fell as I carried it in that we can wrap the cord back up. So I just go and I just wrap the cord up. So now, okay, the cord issues. So this is a sander that people rent. There is a little bit of sawdust in the, this bag. I'm not talking like I didn't empty it. I, I'm just talking about like just what's in the bag, like just by it being a sandbag thing, right? So again, the the units there, this lady unzips the bag and dumps and shakes, like, like not dumps, I'm sorry. She shakes the um the bag over the machine. So now the machine is like filthy. And I'm like, what the hell? She goes, you had, to, you didn't, you didn't empty this bag. I'm like, I did empty it. There's no, like, it's not like there's a bunch sitting in there. I blew it out the best I could, but there's just sawdust in it. It's, it's a bag. It's a bag. So I'm not going to lie. I was very pissy. I said, I, I was like, you know what? Just charge me 50 bucks. So then she goes, well, why don't you take it out? And then just kind of, you know, um, you know, just flip the bag out and shake it a few times. So I walk outside, I take the bag, I unzip it, I fold it inside out. And again, there's nothing in it. I, I just, I, I shake it as much as I can. And now dust gets all over my my pants and my shoes. And I take it back in and she's like, well, you didn't do a good enough job. I'm like, lady, there's nothing in it. It's just, this, it, this isn't, this isn't going to be a perfect, clean, brand new bag. It gets used. There's not it's not like we left a full bag in there. So man, I just went off on this lady. I don't know if I had my own Karen moment or whatever you want to fucking call it. But I yelled, I was like, you got to put your mask on lady. If you're gonna talk to me, please. You know, I was like, if you need to charge me 50 bucks, charge me 50 bucks. I don't care. The fact that I watched you just open this bag and shake it over the machine, which now is filthy. Now it looks like it was a used, like a filthy machine. That's on you, man. So I ended up, I didn't get charged, but I definitely got worked up. And, um, so I had that, that's my nine 30, that's nine 30 to about nine 45 this morning from there. Then I go over and, um, my AirPods, uh, are my AirPod pros are having the issue that's now being re- re- replaced, right? They're replacing them. I make a, I have to make an appointment with geek squad or the Apple store or whatever. So I do it with geek squad, geek squad over at Best Buy. And I'm specifically told by them a, a week and a half ago that, all right, they make the claim new headphones come in, I come in and they swap them, right? That's what I'm told. 
well, I don't have my AirPod Pros right now. Why? Because they have to actually ship them in. They don't take the case. They just take the two units. And I'm talking to this dude and the dude's like, you know, you know, what's wrong with them? And I'm like, I'm telling him, I'm like, this is what happens on the right side. I get the static noise. Then I was like, my, uh, the um, noise cancellation turns on and off randomly. I don't even know why. Um, and, you know, he's like, well, which ear is it? I'm like, well, the one is the right ear, but I don't know what turns the trans, you know, the, the other part on and off. So he's like, oh, I'll just send in one. I was like, well, why don't you send in both of my headphones so that I can get these both fixed if I don't know what the issue is. I don't want to send one and then not have the other one. But I'm like, so yeah, so I won't get my headphones back for five to seven days. Um, I have the case and the tips, but not the actual headphones. I can't believe that this is the system, right? Like I, you know, I don't know why the headphones are being recalled. Well, I know why they're being recalled because there's an issue with them, right? I pay the money. There's an issue with them. So now I don't have my headphones and that, that I don't get that. Why on earth isn't it just, you know what? You come in, Hey, you, your serial number qualifies, you get a new set, you ship the old set back and I don't know, they recycle them, they fix them, whatever they do. So I got that going on. So that's been frustrating. Now I'm going to get to the big one here, our fucking dental insurance that we have, right? So I, if you might go back, there's an episode a long time ago that I talked about where Aaron had to get, um, uh, what do you call it? A, um, a cap on a tooth, right? From some filling she had 25 years ago, the tooth is bad. We go to this bright side and they, they tell us, you know, Hey, you got to get this tooth. Okay. So we, you pay half, right? And then the insurance will pay the other half. So we pay our 780 bucks to get this tooth capped. Well, now the insurance that we pay won't cover it. They just won't cover it. And why? They think that it was an elective surgery. I'm sorry, what? So I, as I'm sitting here typing, I'm getting these messages in from Aaron of like, you know, they, uh, they're, you know, the bright side is somehow out of some network, even though bright side covers other things, but they don't cover this thing. Then they think it's an elective surgery. So, so now I have to stand back and go, so this company believes one, Aaron chose my wife, Aaron chose to have an elective surgery to put a cap on one of her back teeth because one, it is hurting her and the filling was like broken in it. Right. So like the tooth's dead, it's, it's done. So she thinks that that was elective or we're insane that we just go and we do these things. Like it's, I don't, you know, like like we just picked to have this. No, then bright side isn't stepping up and, and like fighting this and saying bright side told us it's all covered. We went through all the paperwork. We're looking at our dental insurance and it crowns are covered. We've paid our half. They won't pay their half. They're asking us to pay the full, full amount because it's elective surgery. That is bullshit. That is, I can't take this, this, you know, and anybody who's in this insurance world, if you don't get this, man, what the fuck? What am I paying for? What am I paying for? What do I pay the health insurance for? Does it, can somebody tell me? Because I'm paying to do this. So you can see I'm a little worked up. A little worked up today. Say one more thing. I have a theory that Seinfeld has ruined America. Yeah, there's my statement. Seinfeld has ruined America. I recently got Hulu. Uh, it was the only service I don't have. But I wanted to watch some Seinfeld, right? Like that's my goal. I love Seinfeld. I've loved it for many, many, many years. I probably have every episode memorized. It's a good, it's a good show. But I've been watching it a lot recently with the 2020 eyes, right? Where you see everything through the 2020 goggles that we've all got going for on us right now. And then you realize, you know, 
Jerry, Elaine, George, all they did is make fun of people. They have, they, at the end of the day, they had zero respect for anybody that was different than them. And then you think, how much influence does Seinfeld have on a certain demographic right now, age range-wise, who you know may be uh, obsessed with the Fox News, uh, who may be easily gullible, who might think people who look different than them are somehow bad or should be made fun of or should be treated differently. And I'll tell you, I would imagine a lot of those people were very big Seinfeld fans. I know, I mean, I'm a Seinfeld fan. But I don't think those other things. I'm not walking around, you know, believing conspiracy theories or, you know, um, drinking the Kool-Aid. But man, if you watch Seinfeld with, with 2020 vision right now, and you look at it and you say, you know, the soup Nazi guy, he just wanted to make soup, man. He is an immigrant who's trying to make some soup and he's trying to make the best soup possible. And you know what Elaine has to do? She has to go in and, and, and make fun of him, right? Like, that's odd. That's odd, right? Uh, I, there's so many of these in my head here. Like, just really stand back and look at it that way. Now, granted, I'm going to still watch Seinfeld. I love it. Oh, actually, the one I was just watching, the germaphobe. Okay, so what? Somebody's got germ. They're afraid of germs. Or the, the one I'm also watching, too, the guy who goes through AA, Right. You know, remember George has to won't let George wear his uh his um his uh, uh sweater so he doesn't stretch it out right his uh cashmere sweater you know so George is just like dogging on the guy who's in AA for skipping steps right like man if you're in AA good for you you took steps to improve your life right but Seinfeld do dogs it so really think about that go watch some Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> And I hope I don't ruin it for anybody. But that's what I've been thinking about. Ugh, rubbing the forehead, man. If this, is, if this was a video, you're seeing me rubbing the forehead for this Thursday. Yep. 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 Yeah, so yeah, we, had a, we have a, um, in the basement, got found this big crack in this pipe, right? Like big, huge crack that was hidden by a washer and dryer. So the inspector didn't tell us this. And, uh, you know, so my sister's helping fix it. So she rented like this gigantic, she comes in with a, like a jackhammer, uh, again, similar Seinfeld where George is jackhammering the holy cow, right. Uh, Phil Rizzuto gets right. Gets stuck in the pothole. So my sister's in there, jackhammer, breaking up concrete, trying to find this leak. Thank God for her, man. Thank God for her. Cause that's out of my wheelhouse, man. I'm really good at blowing leaves, washing the, washing the sidewalks sweeping up stuff. That's my gig. So, all right. I think that's enough ranting. I hope I didn't bring anybody down, but those are the things that are going on over here. At, you know, one one's away version 2.0 that's happening. So, all right, guys. Um, if you're thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign before you do so, you got a couple things. One, go to woodshed.agency right now. First, pick the consultation, pick 20 minutes to talk to me. I'm not going to sell you anything, but ask me any questions that you want. Ask me what's going on, what's new, where the you know, what's working, what's not, just ask me questions because I'll have a ton of answers for you. If that's not enough, you don't want to talk to me, you got to go to the blog section, go to the blog. You can read a whole bunch of content down there. That's one, that's, that's, that's step two, maybe. Hey, you don't want to read? Well, smash that subscribe button of this podcast right now. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're, wherever you're listening to this. Podbean, I think is one. Smash it, man. And that way, every time I put up an episode, you get notified. That would be awesome. And if that's not enough, I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you the all I can. 
shoot me an email, Jeff at Woodshed.agency. I'll, I'll respond that way too. So a lot of stuff for you guys to do out there. Um, but those, yeah, don't run your crowdfunding campaign alone. Don't, you know, if you're, if you're unsure about something, just ask, I'll help. So with all that said, I think we got to talk to Matt, Mc, Matt McDonald, man, and go check out the classic crime uh, uh, content over on Spotify. Great songs, really good stuff, man. Great. Honestly, Matt, really good songwriter. Um, kind of a Jimmy Eat World style vibe. But go check it out, man. I'm going to put some songs in the playlist. If you guys are a follower of the Spotify playlist called Woodshed Agency Office Playlist, go check that out. That was probably a mouthful. Basically, just search Woodshed Agency Office Playlist over on Spotify. And you'll see a pod, uh, a playlist that I've been curating for the last four or five years of songs. Um, I'm going to put some classic crime on there as well. So, all right, here's my conversation with Matt McDonald from Classic Crime. All right, Matt, the red light's on. Now, I, you're probably not as nervous as some of my other podcast guests because you're a musician, right? So you've seen the red light on, right? You've recorded before, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know this pressure, right? I got to deliver. I got to deliver one one take, right? <laughs> one yeah, take. Yeah, I, I, I did a podcast for two years too, so. Oh, you I got, got it, all, yeah. I got all the willies out of my system. Okay, good, good, good. Well, let's do a quick sound check. What did you have for breakfast this morning? You know, I had my uh, kids' leftover parfait, which is like yogurt and granola yeah. and strawberries. Yeah. So... Yeah. And, and I noticed the leftover. I, I do that as well. I've kind of stopped eating my own breakfast because I'm like, I make breakfast and then nobody eats anything. So I'm just like, well, right. so I just, I just, I just come through at the end and, and clean the dishes. Basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's great. It's a great system. At some point there will be a day where I get to make my own breakfast again, but till then just, just eat the scraps, <laughs> right? Just see what's left over. Well, let, instead of talking about our kids' breakfast schedules, uh, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you introduce yourself and, uh, you know, tell my listeners who you are and what you're doing over on Kickstarter right now. Sure. My name is Matt McDonald and I am, I guess, uh, a lot of hats, but, um, (laughs) but for, from all of my adult life, since I was 19, I've been principally a songwriter and, um, a band front man. And I put out albums and, uh, we were signed for years to, um, a label called tooth and nail that was Mm -hmm. under the EMI umbrella, uh, which, um, uh, out of Seattle and we toured the country and we went overseas and we did a lot of stuff and now we're independent and, uh, first became independent in 2011 after we fulfilled three records on the label and, um, label asked if we wanted to do a fourth and we decided, no, we'd like to try this crowdfund thing, try to do it kind of on our own. And, and, um, it was kind of at the beginning of Kickstarter, there'd been a couple um, music campaigns. I think was it Amanda Palmer. She yeah, was Amanda big, Palmer is sort of the uh, that's that's uh, who yeah. kind of created this whole empire. I think in music, right. and crowdfunding, so, you know, that, yeah. that kind of broke through. And I think some bloggers had talked about it. And I thought that's interesting. Like, there's no way we could we're that big or we get that much money. But like, if we could get enough to cover the budget, um, you know, and and to have it be equal to what the label budget was. Right. Then, then I think that I could executive produce, I could manage, you know, I could hire the the people that I, that, that I need to get, to get the similar quality, you know, yep. product for lack of a better term mm-hmm. out to the people who want to hear it. And so we, we launched our first Kickstarter in 2011. Um, nice. and we've been doing them ever since I, I, I now I, I do them for other people. 
Um, so basically people are like, so many people were calling me about, um, Hey, how did you do it? That eventually I was like, Hey, I'll just do it for you. If like, you just like, give me a tiny percentage of what right. <laughs> because it is a big learning curve and there is yeah. a skill and a talent that you need to, 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 to write copy, to design <laughs> packages, to make yep. things, you know, to communicate. And a lot of right. people just don't have that naturally. And yep. um, I don't know, I just, I picked that up along the way. And so I can do it for other people. But uh, the project we have right now that we just funded is our seventh LP, which is like long play. It's the full length uh, album of new songs. And, um, and, and we're about halfway through right now, two weeks in. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you and I share quite a backstory. So I don't know if you know how much about this, but I uh, have like the 20th Kickstarter ever. And I used to do them for all kinds of bands. I ran like 300 campaigns for musicians. I used oh, to own wow. recording studios in Detroit, Chicago, Chapel Hill. Um, and I actually pivoted into just running an agency where we just do crowdfunding, right? Like I took all those skill sets of trying to sell musicians and bands uh, on Kickstarter and, uh, and moved it into uh, what we're doing now, right? <laughs> having this conversation awesome. and doing it for other that's people. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 been, that's been our world. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. You just froze for, you just, yeah. you just froze for a second, but you're back now. So I saw that too. Yeah. I got a little, I got the little, the little zoom hiccup there. The, the, the old zoom tech. Hiccup. Yeah. So that's great. Thanks. Well, Internet, we're back. Know. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. We're back live. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, we've, you know, we've got some interesting stories. So, you know, so on this album, you know, what was it that kind of started coming together? When did you guys have the song started to kind of come together? I'm assuming the pandemic has something to do in, in yeah. the story. Well, the it does. It does have something to do. It's, it's interesting. So the last album we did, um, LP six, it's called patterns in the static. It's out now. It actually came out February 15th, like two weeks before school schools closed. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, actually the late February is when it came out. It's actually it came out around Valentine's day. So it was like right at the beginning of, yeah, a global pandemic, which wasn't ideal because we had tours planned for the summer. Sure. We we're supposed to go to the East coast. We we're supposed to do a number of different things. I was supposed to go out and do living room shows with my wife and, um, and all that stuff canceled. So basically the record never got what I think it deserved as far as just being able to connect live to people. Right. And, um, you know, we were postponing tours, we were pushing it back, pushing it back. And, um, and it just looked like, okay, we can just sit here and wait and postpone and postpone, or we can just make another record. Like it's, it's time, maybe it's time to move on, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so with this record, same as the last, I actually, the whole thing that I've been doing now is not writing anything before doing a Kickstarter. So Hmm. I have, I had zero songs written. Um, and the whole point is to really challenge myself to like, well, number one, when people put faith in you, even if it's in terms of like dollars and cents or they're ordering something from you, there's that demand, at least for me, like I, I I can't sleep until I fulfill that, that order, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's something about it. So pressing to me, like, someone's out there, they, they, they ordered something from me and I have to deliver it. And so that's a good motivator to actually do the work. Yeah. Um, you know, after 20 years of doing it, but also, but also it's, um, it's a way to invite people into the actual process of making it. And Kickstarter has always had, had that promise of, you know, 
you can be a part of the production process of something that you love or something that you want. And it's this kind of relationship between the person manufacturing it and the, and the people buying it. And there's, there's kind of doing away with the middleman and uh, all the other stuff. And so it's kind of a more unique relationship. And that's kind of what I like about it is that I've been doing stuff on Twitch, live streaming on Twitch and inviting people into the actual songwriting process, um, which is messy. You know, it's not this clean, like, you know, when I go away for a year, you miss all the messiness. And then I come with this like polished product and you're like, wow, great job. He's like, no, you didn't see how many (laughs) darlings I had to murder to get there, you know, and how much bad ideas I had along the way. Right. And so Twitch is kind of cool. And, um, and just inviting people into the process to see all the bad ideas, I think is, it's funny because I basically, I help out with some venture capital firms. I, you know, help at some community colleges for their tech world. And I bring the whole creation process of music with me. And I, and it's such a foreign language to the engineer or the designer making the widget. Like they can't comprehend being vulnerable, putting it out there, seeing all the right. mistakes. So they, so they, they approach Kickstarter crowdfunding incorrectly where, man, we learned early on that music was just such a great vehicle. Cause you could, you know, be a part of the lyrics. You could be in, you know, there could be inspiration tied into rewards and tied into the product or whatever it is, right. right? Just, you can just do all that. But now take, taking that concept and then putting it over to this, you know, tech widget thing or my jacket that you can plug in and heat up and, and go, right. no, people want to like talk about it and be a part of it. Like people can't comprehend that or be that open. So I've always used that analogy around like, you got to really look at, at, you know, one board games, look at music projects that do well, because I think it really shows like how people want to get involved in these projects to a much deeper level than just money, right? Like, yeah, cool. You got the hundred bucks, but man, you know, people like following everything, like there's, there's no value on that. You know, it's awesome. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And one of the first things we did was, uh, which was so easy and it's become kind of our most popular package is it's just that kind of around the $50 level, you get um, your name thanked in the album liner notes. So like yeah. in the CD or in the vinyl, and it's as easy as just taking everyone's names from the surveys <laughs> and sending it to the artist and being right. like, Hey, I need these listed in there. Yeah. Like, Copy but paste. it's also so cool. <laughs> like it's so cool. Cause I, I remember just, just having my name in my own CD Right. You know, like I remember yeah. opening it up and be like, there I am. I, I, yeah. I did this yeah. or I helped yeah. make this. I remember that feeling and to be able to give that to people at no real cost to me, like an extra panel right. in a CD maybe, right. um, yep. you know, which is like, a you know, 15 cents or something. I don't know what it is, but yeah, right. it's not a lot of money, yeah. but it's yeah. such a value to, to the people uh, who are a part of the project, yep. um, you know, and to be able to like share that same, it's like when you hear your song on the radio for the first time, it's like to share some of that uh, ownership or to, to, to see yourself on uh, in a medium or in, on a platform that you've like witnessed for a long time without your, right. without your being there. And then suddenly you're there. That's, I, I don't know. There's something interesting about that experience and it's such an easy thing to give. Yeah. Yeah. What you're speaking there. We just did that for, um, the cream, the rock documentary that's on iTunes right now. We did their Kickstarter and did their whole production and, and the movie credits is forever because of all the backers. But it's like, man, when I went, even for myself, cause I backed it, even though we worked on it, but just seeing your name on the big screen of like, (laughs) you know, and it's like, that didn't cost us anything. Like it's just literally putting it in the movies, you know, copy and paste and let the, let the credits roll. 
you know, right. Documentary <laughs> credits. That's great. Cause those are coming yeah. anyways. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and, everyone, <laughs> and everyone has a relationship to those. I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so yeah. for our, our, our listeners who don't know much about the band and what you guys sound like, like kind of put us in a, a ballpark of, you know, who's the band in front of you? Who's the band after you? How do you, where do you guys fit in the middle? Kind of, what do you guys sound like? And, and how do you describe it to people? Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've grown and changed over the years. I would say, I mean, you could, it's hard to say alternative rock, modern, yeah. uh, um, melodic rock. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. Say, yeah, there's, yeah, there's melodies in it. But, uh, when we started out, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, we're obviously more influenced by like more aggressive, heavier stuff. And then kind of, we, we're into more groovy stuff now, but we still have throwbacks to like more energetic uh, stuff. I mean, a, a band that probably is similar is like Jimmy World. Yeah, I could hear they, that one. They can kind of, yeah. Or like Foo Fighters-ish, maybe in our earlier days more and then kind of more groovy, um, you know, more pop a little bit now. So, I mean... Yeah, that's a, that's the best way I could probably describe yeah, it. Yeah, I, I did some clicking around, and uh, I thought the a lot of melodies, right? It, you know, yeah. a lot of lot of lot lot of words. I mean, I thought it was like a lot of lot of chew on, right? In terms of like yeah. real melodic, you know, power chords. It seems like a lot behind it, but yeah. still like good energy and stuff. I I, I enjoyed a. I put you on some of my Spotify playlists the other day. Oh, so uh, thank you. <laughs> added added you my playlist. But but you know, so for you guys, what? you know, obviously you haven't started to record this stuff yet, but how do you guys sort of approach the recording process, the creative process? Is it mostly you? Is it you bringing in other people? Is it the band gets in a room and just jams for, you know, two weeks? And yeah. What, what do these, you guys look, how do you guys work? These days, these days it's mostly me. I mean, the last time we actually like wrote in a room, which it's probably been like six years, maybe. Yeah. Um, just because everybody's, you know, they're, they're all small business owners themselves and, and run their own stuff. And so this has kind of become my, my thing where it's like, if I don't do it, it won't get done. And so the big thing is to do a Kickstarter <laughs> to make sure it gets done. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, every record is a little different. Um, you know, when I was younger, usually would start with just me on an, on an acoustic guitar, um, playing a riff and trying to sing something over it. Or maybe I had a, a rhythmic rhyme in my head that was, that sure. was, I was mulling over and I would bring that to something or, you know, my bandmate would have a riff or I would have a drum beat or something. I started one record where it was just like, I'm only going to work with the rhythm section first. So I'd only do, um, I'd only build a beat, you know, in MIDI in pro tools. And then I would put, I would put a baseline over top. And if that was interesting enough, I would keep building the rest of the song. But if it mm. wasn't interesting enough, I would stop. And so the whole, the whole point was to build it from the ground up instead of the top down, which is normally what I do with, with lyrics and, right. and chords on an acoustic is kind of top down, build it out. Yep. Um, so every record I try to limit the tools that I have at my disposal or, or kind of come at it from a different angle because I feel like different things are discovered when you shake things up like that. Yep. And I don't want to write the same song twice. Um, even though I think I have occasionally, <laughs> I try to steer away from that. Like sometimes I'll be like, here's a, th here's a throwback to that song that you guys liked three records ago. But, uh, but most of the time I want to push off, you know, I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to get away. And, and I always end up coming back to like doing the thing that I do when it comes to songs. Like there is a thing that I do that's different, uh, than everybody else. But like the further I can push away, 
um, the more interesting that thing becomes, I feel like. So I try yeah, it to sounds try. like, uh, um, it sounds like you're really inspired by that pressure of, of, of making your own box, right. Or your own rule. So I used to sure. subscribe to, I still, this day I subscribe to like Peter Gabriel said, you know, uh, saying the, you know, he did that whole album with just a, a piano and vocal. That's all I have, you know, or I did right. an album, this, all of his, that one album with just strings, no right. drums, no bass, like until you create that, that box that you have to play in creativity yeah. doesn't happen. And it's one of the things that I, I struggled with early when, you know, I started so long ago with just an acoustic guitar too, but then you start giving, I have like an entire studio on my iPad. I can right. make anything and you end up not right. making anything because you're like, right. you're stuck right. in like, I'll get the violin out now. Right. Why are, doing, why are we talking about a violin right now? <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't have the rhythm or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. It's been crazy. Yeah, how much that's changed. When, you're, when you're younger too, it, everything's so organic that like any instrument will do because you're, you're just this like fountain of expression that you're like, you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to put words to your experiences and all the experiences are new. And, and so it's like anything will do, but then when you get older, I feel like there is that there is uh, utility in just cutting so much stuff away. Right. Um, it's almost like choosing your weapons for battle. Like you have, you, you have this arsenal but you have to, it's like that, that scene in like the action film where they like, they load up on guns or whatever, <laughs> and everyone picks what they want, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But like, but like as a, as a songwriter or, or a creator, you have to go, okay, I'm, this is, this is my, like, this is my canvas. Here's my brushes. Here's my colors. Yeah. You know, if you want to put it in painting terms and then, um, and then, yeah, I can mix the colors together to get some other colors, but like, this is what I'm starting with. And this is what right. the, you know, and then once you set those terms, it's amazing how just the discipline of doing that equals so much freedom. Cause like, you're not thinking you're not going down into song libraries, listening for four hours on a, on a rabbit trail, trying to, trying to find something. You're just like, no, what do I have? What do I have right. that'll make it work? Like what's the right. snare sound I have right now right. that could work, yep. you know? And, and there's something good, good to that. I think. Yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, how about like band members? I don't know much of the history, um, but just like, have you had a pretty consistent band for all these years or is it, has, have yeah. you rotated some guys? No, we've never rotated. I mean, all the guys are the same guys. Um, one guitar player left. We, we used to have two guitar players mm. and I was just like a singer front man. And then when our, um, one of our founding guitar players left, he's like a nurse now and li lives in Montana. But uh I just, I just started playing guitar. So we were fine as a four piece, yeah. you know, so, but that's the only change. I mean, everything else, everyone else has been the same for, you know, since 2003 when we met. So 17 years. Of how'd, just, you guys, how'd you guys all meet? How'd you guys kind of formulate this and get it all together? Is it, I know, was going, uh, yeah, I was going to the art Institute of Seattle and I answered the, so a uh, guitar player and drummer went to high school together. Um, and they met, they, they moved across the mountains in Washington state here, uh, from Eastern Washington or central Washington to the, co to the coast and, uh, started going to, uh, community college and they wanted to start a band. And so they found a bass player who was actually a guitar player at school. And so they had bass guitar and drums and they needed a vocalist. So they put an ad in, uh, the free newspaper, the stranger, which is like a free weekly newspaper in Seattle. Yeah. And I used to, I was like going to audio production school downtown and uh, in Seattle and, um, you know, I'd be on my break at like Old Navy or Eddie Bauer, some <laughs> retail job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, 
and like perusing the the the, the classifieds, you know, yeah. to try to find. Basically, I wanted people who were going to play my songs. Mm-hmm. And then when I said rock vocalist wanted, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. So, you know, called them up and showed up and listened to their songs that they had written like nine songs, just all instrumentally. And I thought it was amazing. Like it was super tight and they were super good. Of course, you know, in retrospect, probably they weren't, but like (laughs) my perspective at the time was like, I've never heard anything this good live. (laughs) And then I, you know, I I stood in front of them and played them some of my songs in the old band room. And that was it. You know, they'd, they'd tried out a bunch of singers and they thought that I had a, had a, had a good shot. And so eventually, uh, initially I was just writing songs to their, instrumentals and then i would and then i slowly over time introduced my my songs and then um i don't know about halfway through there i just became the principal songwriter everyone stopped writing so (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know that's intriguing because um you know i coach a lot of startup companies now so again outside of music and again one of my analogies is that every business needs to have a front man right the guy that like i get the stuff done i'll be on the videos i'll be in the you know i'll i'll i'm the one responding even for our company i had to make that decision right like we have i got a bunch of team members and i was like i'll be the guy that's right you're talking to me instead of some of my other team members right right so is that something that you felt just kind of came natural by literally just being a front man or and then how did that sort of morph into like you know, I built the Kickstarter page i'm in the video or you know like is did that feel natural to you or is that something you had to work on um, I think I had to work on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm naturally a pretty like extroverted person, but mm-hmm. when, when, when I first joined the band, the guitar player, who's now no longer in the band, uh, Justin was like the leader. He was just, he, you know, he just had the, he knew what he wanted more than anybody else. Right. He had the opinion about everything. <laughs> and so it was actually nice. It was like, you know, sometimes that's annoying, but like, it's nice to be, to sit back and be like, okay, well, this guy's got it handled. Like he's going to, he's going to make sure the bills are paid and he's going to do, you know, and I can be the artist. Right. And, uh, that was, that was nice for a while. Um, and when he left it really like it kind of, you know, responsibility did fall on my shoulders as being the front man. Like I have to do interviews and stuff like that, but like mm-hmm. the business side, the, the, the COO side of stuff, he was definitely in charge and, so him leaving was a, was a, was definitely a vacuum. And I had to fill a lot of that, that role of like, okay, what are we going to do next? What's the plan? You know? Right. Right. And, and, and figuring out doing the Kickstarter was really like kind of the first time where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the reins of this whole thing and see if we can see if we can make one last record, you know, and right. here we are, you know, five records later still That's doing cool. it. So, What's been the biggest difference between these last five campaigns or so that you've were, you know, for, for, you know, specifically that you're seeing like from 2011 to, to, to where we are now, what are you seeing Kickstarter changes and what's happening? And from you, from your, from your perspective, you know, it's interesting. I, I, after I, we did the first one, I thought, well, that's it. You know, like there's no guarantee that they'll come back. Like this could, you know, Kickstarter was new and people didn't understand that it was like a perennial thing. Like they thought, mm-hmm. oh, you just do one Kickstarter and then you're done. Right. Cause you right. can't just keep going back to the well and like yeah. asking people to fund your projects, you know? Right. Right. And I was just surprised that every time they came back stronger and stronger, like they really, really loved the experience. They loved getting the package in the mail. Even if it was a year after they backed it, it was like a surprise. It was like Christmas. Right. And knowing that, that they were a part of it. So um, the only thing that's really changed for us is that I don't have to do a big explainer when I do the video anymore. Mm-hmm. 
the video can be a minute and a half. And it's like, you guys know what's going on. Like, we're not trying to reach new people with our Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever you have a successful Kickstarter and we funded this one in 80 minutes, it's as, as the fastest we've, we've reached our goal. Right. Um, and our goal has always been for a full length L- LP, uh, 30,000. So whenever, whenever you do that in, in day one, there's like a ton of people that come out of the woodwork that say, Hey, I can help you with your Kickstarter, <laughs> you know, and yeah. inevitably it's like, give me a cut and I'll get you, you know, I'll send an email to my email list or whatever. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's, it's like, I've never done that. Yep. And the reason is, well, number one, I get why they're there because we have money suddenly and they think they could, you know, make yep. some off of us. Yep. But two, it's just like music is not a product that you can just sell to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's an, it, yeah. So, so for, for me, it's always been about just like, Hey guys, we're here, you know, what's up, you know? And that's, that's the biggest change over the years with our Kickstarters is that we just say, Hey, it's that season again. It's that time again. Right. Right. And, um, instead of, instead of explaining to people exactly how it works, because that, that was, yeah. Yeah, And and you know, for, for us on our position where we were from 2010 to 2011 and stuff, we felt like it was a really good platform for new artists. Like, like you could go and explore on Kickstarter. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like that exists anymore? Or do you have to be a little bit more established? Like you've got a fan base, you've got a newsletter. Do you think a band right now could go on Kickstarter without an audience, without Spotify plays, without a newsletter and have success on the platform? I wouldn't recommend it. No. I mean, when I consult for bands, it is, it all depends on, for me, it's that first 24 hours um, you know, you want to meet your goal in that first 24 hours because that, that will get you visibility with the algorithms and all that. Yeah. But like, but in, in order to do that, you kind of need, you need a mailing list. You need, yeah. you need some influence. Um, yeah, people aren't going to pre-order something from you unless they really know they want it. And yeah, I wouldn't, you know, if it's, if it's a cool gadget, I could see that. Like we, you know, I did one campaign for like a fitness gadget that was pretty cool. That was successful. Um, but that you can sell with a video, you know, right. and it's something that people are already interested in who are interested in fitness. It's not like, you know, like my, my, my buddy put it this way. It's like, when you start a band, it's not like you're opening a teriyaki shop. <laughs> where everybody who already knows they like teriyaki is going to go try your teriyaki shop. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, it's not that you're starting something. You're starting like a thing. You're starting a restaurant of like a brand new food that no <laughs> right, one right, ever right. tasted yeah. before. Yeah. I, I put so, this in my mouth. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to sell them on the food right. before they're going to come order it. You know, yeah. you have to like entice them and, or they have to have tasted your food before, before they want to come back. So it's, it's, it's a little bit harder, I think, for bands, but um, I think there's a lot of other tools online that help people get audiences. Um, there's a lot of ways to exchange emails for free songs and downloads and stuff. And so you can, I always encourage people to build that email list before they launch their campaign. Yeah. This is yeah. going to help a lot. And and, and for, um, from your perspective, where is the music industry today? Like, where is it? Uh, I mean, there's a reason I'm out of it, right? Like, I, yeah. I I pivoted into, I still do live sound for the big mega churches here in, in our area, right? Like, that's sure. what I got spit into. I own studios. It was a pretty pretty safe uh, safe move, right? right? Like, but where, what is it right now? I mean, especially, I mean, we're like on your end, like, where, what happens if there isn't touring for another year? Because 
I mean, it's it feels scary for even a guy on my end looking at it who loves right. this world. Where is it right now? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, everything's been in flux. There's um, who said this? Someone said uh, it's a quote. There's, there is no like, there is no better. There's only trade offs, and I think that's true in any industry, especially industries that are being in, uh, affected by technological revolutions and advancements and right with with the industry of music being uh, a physical format moving into the digital space and then to just streaming only where people don't actually own it they just basically rent a song for right half a cent <laughs> yeah um uh that that has its trade-offs and it's not necessarily good or bad i mean i'm still here doing music um mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, it doesn't fund like my whole band being here doing it. <laughs> but, right, right, right. But I'm still able to to write songs, and it seems that you know that's something that I had a goal of doing, so I'm achieving a goal. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a, a lot of the industry has relied heavily on live shows and tours. Um, you know, our band. You know, if when we go out on the road, like that's a big source of our income. Right. For, for for the year, you know, mm-hmm. and so not being able to do that is a huge um, loss. And and I think for a lot of bands, I could see that being a, a massive loss too. Like I, I don't I don't think a lot of I, th- I think a lot of bands won't make it through right. this this period. Which I don't know what to say. I mean, I think it's sad, but um, I, I think there's ways that you can make it through. I mean, um, so many people are live streaming. Um, I did you know 14 shows on Twitch called mm-hmm. quarantines during quarantine during quarantine and those went really well we've been we did a couple other shows online and those were fine um so there's ways to make it work but we're in that sort of like not ideal phase of of transitioning to how is this going to work and can we even do this you know right, right. so do, do you see an influx of bands potentially coming to Kickstarter, kind of coming back to it, like like big bands that you would never imagine, like you know, I don't know, Pearl Jam's on Kickstarter per se. I don't know. You're, you're just like what? Like I'd like, I'd like to no... run that campaign. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll run. That. I'd like to work on that one as well. Uh, so let's, yeah, we we'll tag team that one. I think we yeah. could crush it. We could yeah, crush it. They, they they might have a fan base. I'm not 100 percent sure, but you know. Uh, but yeah. I mean, like, I wonder if like bands would be looking at this as a as a as a scenario, going, well, we can go and raise, you know, whatever, five hundred thousand dollars, you know, to do a record, sure. or you know what I mean. Like, I, I wonder if bands would start looking at this as an out as a. And I'm, I mean, like, you know, I'm just talking about like big major label bands would start to look at these platforms again, potentially. Do you think that would happen at all? I mean, I. I would hope so. It takes a little bit of swallowing your pride to do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are getting rid of the protection or the facade or the veil of like a handler or a middle person. Right. And having that is kind of comfort to famous or successful people. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of have to shirk that and be like, push that person out of the way or the, the label out of the way and be like, Hey, here's me. Right. And that's how you have a good successful Kickstarter. It's like, it's you and me. Yep. And I think it's really, it's really hard for famous people to do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you know, but, but what you just mentioned there too, is again, even if you're not famous, I tell this to my, again, back to the startup world is that's what crowdfunding is successful on is when you, right. it is 
it's you feel like I'm I'm talking to you, not right. this. Here's my brand label. Here's my logo. Right. I, right. I'm not buying from your brand logo. I care no. about who you are and your right. story. And will this product make you know you know right. make me feel better or whatever? Right. It is, problem solution, right? Like, right. Um, so I think that that's even some what you just said there is something that even you know I, I just want to start my business. You got to be open and be vulnerable to to put down that shield, yeah. right? To yeah. go on Facebook Live and just go, "Here I am. Ask me a question about my thing." You know? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people, even peers of mine, who were just in slightly more successful bands, just didn't just couldn't do that. Right. They just they were like, "No, we're gross." Yeah. And I'm like, "You gotta, you know, you got to adapt or die." And frankly, a lot of them died. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the industry money is not there for people to just prop, prop, prop people up anymore. It is this more decentralized thing and it is more personalized. Uh, and celebrity is not this unreachable thing anymore. I mean, everyone expects to be able to tweet at or get in the comment section of their favorite celebrity, right. you know, and sometimes get a response. Like, it's not <laughs> like they're untouchable. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, cameos, I like, cameos, putting some gasoline on that fire where you can yeah, get yeah, anybody yeah. you want to tweet you. And yeah, for like, not, for like nothing. For like a hundred bucks. Know? It's <laughs> like, we have so many celebrities. They're, they're so cheap. The market's been flooded. Yeah. No yeah. one cares anymore. Just yeah. do you make something cool? Put your face in front of the people who want it yep. and tell them about it and yep. make that connection. Like that to me, I, like that's one of the good things that I think is happening in the diversification and the the decentralization of everything away from these these big, you know, aggregates, is that is that this idea that there is like some special, I don't know, some special place that you can live that's separate from other people. It's that that's kind of crumbling, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's it's yeah. proving that you actually need people, and you should connect with the people that you need. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Where does, um, how, do, how does vinyl fit into your whole business plan back to like a physical product instead of it just being, you know, yeah. it seems like, you know, and even for myself, I've just got back into it. I, man, I ordered my new SSL little two channel. I put my studio monitors nice. back up. I got my audio technica. I'm like, I'm even for myself. I was like, you know what? I'm back to, I need to, I want to listen. I don't, yeah. I don't need, I don't need the whole live, the world library in my pocket. I need, right. I got my like, you know, a hundred records. Yeah. Where, where does that fit into your guys' world and business plan? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, since, so when we were on the label, we put out three albums and an EP and obviously, you know, this is from 2006 to 2010. Mm-hmm. So 2005 to 2010. So it wasn't like the vinyl wasn't on the come, the come up like right. it is. Yeah. Like it has been in the last 10 years. Yep. And um, so we never released anything to vinyl our masters got sold from EMI to UMG. We tried to get them after we were off the label. We, we can't even license our own album to press it to vinyl. You know, we can't even find who to talk to and they don't care. They're like, (laughs) they're like patent trolls, right? They collect (laughs) masters to, to, to have this legal power in court to, to threaten Spotify over over royalty rates or whatever. (laughs) So like they, they're not going to give us our masters back or even sell them to us or even license for, you know? (laughs) So the first thing we did when we got, when we did a Kickstarter was like, we're making vinyl, like that's it, you know? And so every, yes, every campaign since has been vinyl. And then the first one we just did black vinyl. And then now we do like two different variant, uh, variant color vinyls. 
and um, and we love it. And it's a it's a thing now. Now everyone's at, always asked about our old records, and I wish we could get them. But like, but uh, but yeah, people love it. Um, it's collectible. It's cool. It's like you can frame it. I've got it. I've got some around in my studio now. But like, you can frame it. You can hold it up to the light. Some of the some of those beautiful colors. Like yeah. It, it um and then and then yeah, listening to vinyl. Like you said, it's an experience. It's yep. like a spiritual practice. It's like a meditation or something, you know, where it's, a, it's you, slowing down. It's to me, it's like, sit, it's slowing yeah. down. Just you sit down, you, yeah. you, you, you do the, you do the ritual. Um, there is a ritual to it. It's like, yeah. you know, how you, how you, how you set up the thing yeah. and then you play it. And then what are you going to do? Oh yeah. Of course you got to listen to it because you just right. went <laughs> through just this spent, ritual. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's not like something you just throw on in the background, like, like right. you do right. on your phone. Yeah. Yep, so yep. Um, I like it. It treats music a little bit more sacred than it has yep, been. I yep. mean, one of the one of the downsides or the trade offs of everything going digital and being everywhere and being free is that it's really cheap in the 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 value or the I don't know the air around music is 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 a little bit cheaper. So the so the vinyl vinyl is a good way to to remember the value of yeah, it's hundred percent. I mean, it's it's. I even found that in the studio world, like I come from the old days, right? I, I love big SSL consoles. My I, I I built a my own Studer sidecar, sixteen channel. You know, like that's, that's my world. And then you know, it's I have there's a plugin for thirty nine dollars that does what I spent ten years working yeah. on. <laughs> It's just like <laughs> what? Yeah, ah, yeah. makes me so mad. And, yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. then I always get more frustrated. I'm like, it actually sounds pretty good. That thirty nine dollar plug in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I use uh, I use the the UAD plugs from you. Oh, that's what I have to. I have a here. Here, see, I got just for whenever I got to pull out some stuff. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, see, yeah. I, can... I do a little bit of mastering sometimes yeah. here on the side. Yeah, yeah. Love the UAD stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the solo, the twin solo, or whatever it is. I almost unplugged. I almost unplugged it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so I guess for so yeah, fourteen days to go, couple weeks for the money to drop into the accounts. But what starts happening? Like, what starts happening for you guys to to start making this record? What's the timeline look like for people to start getting their rewards? So I would have never done this if I hadn't already done it. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but, but last time, this time of year, exactly two years ago in 2018, I launched a Kickstarter and I said, I have no songs. Um, but then I said it in January, I'm going to go on this living room tour and I'm going to go down the West coast. And I did three weeks in my RV. Uh, just took one guy with me who was like filming and we went and did living room shows and we did songwriting workshops where I taught, you know, like a two hour workshop on songwriting. Um, and I mostly did this to like help me understand what songwriting is. Cause like it, for me, it's been this like really organic, you just do it, man. It's like magic, you know, like you just get into it. Like right. people can't watch you cause then there's no magic. And I just wanted to de- try to demystify as best I could. And obviously I still think it's magic, but there's parts of, there's ways to behave and engage with it that, that encouraged the magic, I think. And so that was helpful. And I went and I, I went and met with some of my friends who have studios and I um, just recorded some demos. I maybe got like four or five just like song starts out of mm-hmm. the whole thing, out of the three-week tour. And that was the beginning. Um, and then I spent from January to June, basically, um, every day in this office uh, studio and uh, working on songs. And I would stream on Twitch occasionally when I felt like, 
I could present something or add something to a song. Um, but, uh, but it was only that experience. It was only doing that experience that made, that, that made me confident that I could. And I don't know if I can see There's still this fear that like, I don't know if I can even write a record, you know, Yeah. but yeah. like that, that fear I've found to be a comfort because it may, it means something good. It, it can happen. I don't right. know, weird, but like, if I'm not afraid and I know it, like, it's going to suck. Yeah. You know, it's just going to suck. It's going to be so uninspired. So, um, so right now it's, it's me at the very early stages. I've like streamed twice, some very basic song starts. I'm just kind of shaking the rust off. I'm relearning <laughs> my short keys and pro tools and stuff. Like, how do I, I was like on stream the other day and I was like, how do I paste over? And someone, someone in chat was like, oh, that's that's command D. I'm like, dang, my chat cool. knows more about pro tools than me. You know, but like, yeah. I, I haven't even opened it. Like I just avoid, avoid until I have to. I haven't even yeah. opened it in a year. So I'm at that stage where I'm, I'm just just reopening up uh, Pro Tools and then yeah. <laughs> uh, my life and soul to the craft of songwriting. And uh, we'll see how that goes. So basically, yeah, when the campaign's over, um, I'm going to give it through the holidays and then I'm going to hit the ground running in January and try to do the same thing I did in 2019 um, in 2021, you know, two-year yeah. album cycle. Basically, yeah. from January to June, I hope to write a, write a record and do as much of it as I can on stream, which is, that's the really scary hard part for me. Mm. Um, especially like writing lyrics on stream or being super vulnerable. Yeah. It's like, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. That's the, that's the juice, man. That's, yeah. that's what I live for. So now have you found, I mean, this, this is, I used to write tons and tons of songs and then I just kind of, once my kids happen, I don't know, my life just flipped, but, uh, yeah. I always found that, man, once I got like this, some sort of spark, this, well, I guess this is the magic in my world where like something happened that sparked it. And then it was like, don't talk to me for like two weeks. I yeah. just can't stop the flow of stuff. Are, do right. you find that that like, again, I'm always interested. Songwriting workshops for me have always been challenging because I'm always like, I don't know how to explain what I'm, what I'm talking about right now. Cause it's yeah, just, yeah. Well, like, I can't explain this magical yeah. thing where I'm like, there we go. There we go. That's yeah, working, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you have something well, on like those slides too? You feel like? Yeah, yeah. the The first like ha half of the songwriting workshop was just this wild out there philosophy of like two ultimate powers, chaos and order, mm -hmm. and how like and like I would just describe both sides of it and like how the art the 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 function of the artist is to reach into the unknown, the chaos, the dark, the the right. things you don't understand and you know, it's, it's always with fear and trepidation. You reach in and you pull out something into order. And that thing is the song, but it always comes from the thing, the unknown. And you have to be right on the border. You have to be right on the border between the two. You have to be in that insecure space. And like yeah. that, it, it was all about positioning. Mm -hmm. um, because once you're reaching into the unknown and you're pulling stuff out and it's amazing, it's like blowing your mind, like, it's, it's almost like you're in a trance. Like you said, like you're yeah, just yeah, suddenly yeah. you're just like, Whoa, it's working. Right. right you know, right. and there's really no, there's no like skill you can learn um, to pull it out, but there's a skill you can learn to be ready for it, to get there. And Stephen King talks about that in, in his book on writing. It's like every day he sits his butt in the chair from nine to noon 
Right. And he yep. writes something and yep. most of it's bullshit or whatever, right. you know, like he doesn't yep. care. Like, yep. but then sometimes he doesn't get out of that chair till like 4 PM mm -hmm. because it just comes. Right. And, right. um, Stephen Pressfield in the war of art talks about the muse. So you have to show up and there's ways to set your life up to be ready for it. Right. Um, and so that's what, that's what a huge part of the songwriting workshop I teach is about like, I guess, how to get in the right position to get the, to get the juice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Whenever, whenever I uh, like mentored anybody, I was just like, I actually would just talk about what we just talked about, but being um, around what we're actually describing, be okay with what we're describing. It, right. it isn't, you, you don't just sit down and go, there it is. There's my three chords. There's my bridge. Yeah. I wrote yeah. the song. No, yeah. it's like, be comfortable with like, I, I don't know. I'm nervous or yeah. be comfortable in that moment of like, wow, it is actually like trust that it is coming out. Right. Like, as opposed right. to being like, whoa, 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 whoa. What am I? Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah, it's yeah, fascinating, man. I love the songwriting world, but all right, let's flip over a little bit. Let's, let's, let's do our quick lightning round. I'll, I'll get you on your way. Cause uh, I could probably talk all day about songwriting. So that could, <laughs> literally could. Uh, all right. So what's the last thing you've watched in the uh, Netflix Hulu streaming world? Uh, what have you, what have you been watching? Um, I watched the vow on HBO. That's about the, uh, um, the cult. cult. I just, yeah. Cult. Yep. I think Mark Maron just talked about that the other day uh, yep. on a podcast. I was like, I gotta, I gotta watch this one. Was it good? Yeah, my wife and I were into that. Yeah, we we love that stuff. Like we watched Wild Wild Country when oh, it came that out. Was a great Netflix, one. And that was super great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, I just love, I I just I just love the the human condition and what just the our our own ability to self delude is fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, mostly because I don't want to do it myself. And so it's like this sort of like, can I learn something <laughs> about this? Yeah. So that was a, yeah, that was probably the last thing that I really got into. I mean, my wife's been watching Shit's Creek. Yeah. Shit's Creek's um, great. I think we're going to rewatch it. We just finished it, but it's so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, and yeah. I have a feeling I missed a whole bunch too, even though I like, it's one of yeah. those ones that's going to be like the office or Seinfeld or whatever. You just go back to it. Cause keep going. Yeah. There's a I, lot I, in yeah. I, 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 I missed a bunch too, because I, I mostly like, it's off to the side. I'm not really paying attention, right, but, right. but yeah, from what I see, it's, it's a great show. Yeah. So. How about a, how about a movie? What's the last movie you watched? Movie? Actual movie, which I find most people are like, I haven't watched a movie. I watched these 10 part series. Oh, um, Christy and I watched it, uh, around okay. Halloween. Okay. Like original one. Like, or yeah. is there just one? No, the no, no, new no. Like one. the new, like the newest one or whatever. It was on HBO too. Yeah. Right. Um, I had never seen it. I actually am yeah, a I've huge Stephen it. King fan. I'd never even read that book. Like I read like, you know, the dark tower series and uh, Cujo and like a, a tons mm -hmm. of Stephen King books, but like I never read it. And I was thought, stupid. The clown lives in the gutter. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but the new, the new film was great. I mean, it was basically like stranger things. So it's this okay. group of kids and they're all like snarky and, and, you know, um, precocious and, and like talking about sex, even though they're all virgins, you know, that, that whole stranger <laughs> things vibe. Right. And, but each of them has a character arc and they, they, they are each haunted by Pennywise, the clown in some mm -hmm. way that exposes their deep fear. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they have to overcome that fear. So it's, I thought it was a brilliant film. I thought it was great. Yeah. I'll have to uh, put that in the list. Uh, the wife doesn't <laughs> really like a lot of the old scary stuff. So maybe no, I'm watching no, no, that one on my own. Christy and I, uh, we'd never watch scary movies, but she's like, you know what? I'm a grown up now. It's not going to be that scary. Like, 
let's yeah. just it's it's Halloween. Let's just like see if we can be scared. And um, it was more like I laughed at some of the jump scares. Right. Like I, you know, I'm just too old and jaded to be really scared. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but it was. I thought it was actually a really well written plot, and the character arcs were great. And the overall moral of the story of like facing your fears and, and the only thing to fear is fear itself, right. I think is a good moral. So, yeah. All right. How about a book? What are you reading anything right now? That's not um, Stephen King. No, I'm uh, well, yeah, I'm reading a book called magician. Okay. Um, who, who wrote it? I forget the guy's name, but he does. It's, a, it's called the magician series. I'm reading the, the first book is called apprentice. And then the next okay. book is called master. It's like from the eighties. And it's basically like a Lord of the Rings type book. About um, a magician's apprentice um, in in a you know a fantasy realm of orcs and trolls and elves. So, okay, you know, gotcha. get out of my get out of the the, the daily slog and enter some fantasy. I, yeah. I'm into that. So very cool. How about uh, how about podcasts? You listen to anything regularly? I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I listen to a good amount on occasion. I, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan's podcast cause he has all the, the yeah. big, big time guests. Yep. So, you know, um, and comedians and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably like, what is, what is even on my app right now? I've been listening to audible books. Um, okay. read, just recently read this book called irresistible, which is about how addictive all of our devices are. Uh, yeah. Um, um, there's nothing the, worse than seeing the amount of the, the, uh, the, the tracking of how long you're on your device. When you get that yeah, like, notification yeah. on a sudden, you're like, yeah, I was on my iPhone 28 hours. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What did I um, do? yeah. So some other, some other shows, I listen to Lex Friedman podcast. Mm. Um, he's like a, a MIT guy talks a lot yeah. about AI. um, making sense with Sam Harris. Um, he's kind of a social philosopher. Uh, neuroscientist. So I like I like this. I like the the Rogan podcast where he has actual scientists on. Yeah. Um, you know, and they and they go wild and talk for three hours. I think there's something about the the long form podcast that I really appreciate too. It's just like having a conversation on in the background is nice. Yep. I don't have to think too much about it. Yep. Um, I kind of feel like I'm there, and it's like enriching my life. So yeah. Uh, go. Very cool. Them. Yeah. Very cool. Well, where can people sort of dive into your world? If this is their first time hearing about your stuff. Where, where should they go? How do they dive in? Obviously, I'll send them to the Kickstarter, but where else should they go? Sure. Yeah, theclassiccrime.com is our website, and there's links to you know our Instagram and our Facebook and our Twitter and our whatever else. Um, but yeah, you find us on SoundCloud or Spotify or um, iTunes uh, just after, just under the Classic Crime. So Awesome. Awesome, Matt. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I'm going to go back this campaign because uh, this looks awesome, man. And uh, kudos to doing Thanks. a good job and uh, and uh, working the Kickstarter angle for musicians, man. I love it. It's uh, it's definitely my wheelhouse over here. So um, everybody go check it out. And uh, Matt, thanks again for your time. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Bye now. All right. How about that conversation with Matt? I told you guys, we got into it. Um, it. We went all over the place. We got to dive into music and studios and gear and crowdfunding. Awesome, awesome stuff. So uh, like I said, go over to Kickstarter now. They got about eight days to go. Check out um, the Classic Crime. Back that campaign. Um, be a supporter. Um, throw in whatever you can. Be a gawker backer. Just put a dollar in so you, you, know, you can watch what's going on. But, um, but definitely go and support them. So uh, let's listen to some sugar people music and, and I hope everybody has a, a great weekend and I'll talk to you all next week, man. Later. Later.